Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning, all throughout, and at the end of everything that we do. May openness and shalom mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, grab a cup of coffee. We're both in coffee today. Unusual. Both decaf, though. Oh, is that right? Just a thought. Well yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Double stay, dink. All stay right. Decaffed, stay decaf. As they say. Stay decaf, my friends. And enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. Good breath control. That was really <laughs> hard for me. <laughs> Incredible. Well, hello, uh, Benjamin. Hello, Hase. How are you? I'm good. It's mm. good to be here talking on the Deep Waters podcast, as always. It's one of my greatest joys. It is a joy. Yeah. I think uh, some people have pointed out how we really just compliment each other the whole time. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, which is not a bad thing. We're like, we're trying to develop a culture of honor here. Amen. Um, I love that you said that. So <laughs> I think we're just modeling that. I don't know even what to say to that, but um, yeah, too bad. That's just how we roll. Yeah. If you don't like compliments and honor, then I would just invite you to change your heart. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So this will be coming out this episode uh, as we're recording it. It's mm-hmm. Wednesday, October 18th, but yes, um, it will release... The on the 27th friday yes october 27th mm-hmm. which is not october 31st but it's, not. it's before october 31st yes and we are today going to talk about <gasps> october 31st which why that day is it because that's reformation day the day that martin luther nailed the 95 theses on the wittenberg cathedral is it actually that day yeah, we'll oh. talk about it. Oh, incredible. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, modern day, it is uh, the old Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Yeah, which is spooky season, as now Gen mm-hmm. Z calls it. Yeah, leave it to um, Gen Z to have a big crew neck that just says spooky vibes. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> um, so, yeah, grab your pumpkin spice latte, mm-hmm. get a scarf, and get ready to rake some leaves with us. That's right. The leaves of time. Wow. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> um, well, we all know that Halloween is in the Bible. So mm-hmm. if you open to the beginning, you just go Genesis, Exorcist, Leviathan, and then do the right thing. <laughs> That's where the Halloween instructions are. So yeah. luckily it's laid out black and white, what we're supposed <laughs> to do with Halloween. Um, incredible. Uh, do the right thing. Chapter 31. Yes. Yes. Chapter 31. Of course. 31st. Yes. And uh, obviously... I'm joking. And I do know <laughs> what the first four books of the Bible are, um, for the record, yeah, um, which is actually funny. I was, I thought of that joke to include, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it will land for anyone, but for me, um, sorry, I'm kind of clipping here. It's a little loud. Oh, you're good. Um, that's actually from the show psych 
which I oh. love that show. It was on USA a while ago. Yeah. Um, but also kind of funny because he pretends to be a fake psychic, which I was going to even like maybe bring up like how our involvement as Christians with psychics even wow. in this. Um, so it's kind of funny that that was also included. So, yeah, funny. Meta. Yeah, a little meta. Uh -huh. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about a bit about the history of Halloween. Yes. And then we're going to talk about how we interact with that kind of stuff about right. Halloween and maybe horror movies, things that are scary, things that are um, metaphysical but not Christian. I right. don't know. We might touch on a lot of stuff. That's so. good. So before you like turn off this podcast and say, oh no, the Deep Waters podcast has gone heretical. How dare they? Mm -hmm. And then never come back to River House. <laughs> we just want you to know that... Before you do that, please. Before you do that. <laughs> hopefully you don't do that. Um, what we're trying to do is say, hey, this is, this is a really big cultural holiday that mm -hmm. exists where we live in the US. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? Totally. What is the history of it even? We're going to start our podcast by talking about that history and then engaging a little more in what we do about it in light of the history. Cause I think the history will help us understand how we can frame our lives around mm -hmm. it. Yeah. What were you going to say? Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's exactly, that's what we're doing on this podcast is what Benji said. <laughs> that's great. Um, see, I didn't compliment you there. I just stated that you said mm -hmm. what we're going to do. I'm so glad you did that. I love it when you do that. Dang it. All right. <laughs> um, just kidding. But I was, I, there's a stat that Halloween is the most lucrative holiday, like culturally, economically yes. outside of Christmas. Sure. For like things that we buy, you know, mm -hmm. all those stores pop up, candy, all that stuff. Yeah. The most decorations outside of Christmas for sure. Wow. For you sure. Know? There's not a lot of flag day decorations at mm -hmm. Home Depot. But wow, I mean, come the end of summer, it's like kind of a scary place to be at. Yeah, which is honestly kind of interesting. So, do you drive down Harrison Boulevard in the north end of Boise in October mm -hmm. and then in December? Lately, I feel like I've realized October Harrison Boulevard has turned up way harder for Halloween than yeah. it is for Christmas in December. And I think that might have to do with the demographic of people that live in that neighborhood. Yeah. It also just could be... Most of them are wizards. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm just in a laughing mood. This is fun. You've got me going. I think this is going to be... I think this is going to be a pretty light podcast, honestly. Yes. Um, I'm not too worried or whatever. I'm I don't taking know. my jacket off because I can tell we're going to get heated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Let's All just... Right. Uh, should we just slide in? Yeah. Okay. Halloween. Halloween. The history of Halloween. Okay. So... I, we've both done some research, listened to podcasts, read articles, and there's disputes just like with a lot of things. Yeah. But I would say the sweeping generalized perspective is that there have been a lot of ancient harvest festivals that somehow relate to the changing of the seasons Hence, harvest festival, you know, when you're yeah. harvesting and then starting to lay your ground down in an agrarian society for the winter and the connection there between life and death and the passing into the afterlife um, in various cultures, mm -hmm. geographical regions, whether you're in Central America or Northern Europe or China, different expressions of this um, have been made manifest in various worldviews. Didn't the Israelites also have a festival around the harvest time? They did. 
Okay. Yeah, um, First Fruits okay. is the one that I'm thinking of. But uh, I mean, Yom Kippur. Nope. Excuse me. When is Yom Kippur? That's the Day of Atonement. Could you look that up? Yes. Um, but Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, is somewhere between September and October, depending on the lunar calendar that year. Um, so that's like harvest time. Um, so the new year for the Jewish, uh, culture was in the fall mm-hmm. and Yom Kippur was sept- is September, end uh, of September. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's connected. I think Yom Kippur happens shortly after Rosh Hashanah every yeah. year. Um, so yeah. it has to do with the first time I typed it in, it was so far off that Google didn't know what I was trying to oh, find. Oh, really? The spelling so took me a little bit. Yeah. yeah I should have spelled it for you. It's okay. <laughs> Yom is the Hebrew word day and Kippur is atonement. You oh, could yeah. guess. And then Rosh is head and mm-hmm. Hashanah, I think is year. So Rosh Hashanah is the, the head of the year, meaning the, the new beginning, year. Mm-hmm. new year. And um, yeah. So anyway, we want to recognize, and maybe this will come back later that like the biblical tradition is a very, um, mm, it's a culture that has holidays yeah. <laughs> and no. those holidays are like, instituted by God. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think one thing that I'd maybe like to come back to towards the end of this podcast mm-hmm. is whether the whole, we're just not going to celebrate any holidays approach is a good one oh, because yeah. throughout history, especially in, since the reformation, um, that's been an approach that a lot of people have taken, whether mm-hmm. you're kind of a radical Southern Baptist or Puritans, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the pietist movement in Germany, there were a lot of different Christian movements that said, we're just going to do away with all holidays. Um, and I think we're going to look more at that at yeah. some point. But before we get there, yeah, I think it's worth just pointing out, like holidays are biblical, certain holidays. Totally. I mean, all, like all the holidays that the Israelites celebrated were instituted by God, like you said. Mm-hmm. And we've we've talked about that in our like feasting and fasting series. Right. Um but yeah, and so like holidays are beautiful. So it's like there's, mm-hmm. there is something that, I mean, God finds value in holidays. Absolutely. Um, With the Passover. Jesus celebrated holidays. We know that. For sure. Participated in the cultural holidays, mm-hmm. um, which were his culture. I don't know how he would engage with Roman holidays. Yeah, good um, question. So those are things to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so holidays can be good. Amen. <laughs> and I would argue they also can not be good. Mm-hmm. And the the holiday that typically is pointed to as the root of what is now modern day Halloween, um, at least in all of our research, yeah, is this one Celtic holiday in Ireland called Samhain. Mm-hmm. Really odd pronunciation for the spelling. If you look it up, it's pronounced or it's spelled Samhain. Yeah, I know. It's not how I would have thought it was pronounced. <laughs> Same. It's definitely not phonetic, but um, the Celts just do what they want. Yeah, it's pronounced Samhain. And it's a harvest festival where the Celtic people in pre Christian Ireland, so mm-hmm. we're talking like 2,000 years ago, um, these people believed that. As the days got shorter and we transitioned from summer through harvest into winter, um, there was a, a thin space between this reality and the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the time 
when uh and remember this is like a pagan holiday so just follow me for a minute because of that thin space between the spiritual afterlife and this life um beings loved ones who have passed Mm -hmm. away who have gone into the afterlife can come back and visit also um people who have passed away within the last year who haven't passed on into the afterlife, but are just left in the spirit, like lingering like mm-hmm. ghosts of some kind in this world, um, have access to pass along into the afterlife. Yeah. Um, into the like spiritual realm beyond this earthly realm. So Samhain is basically, a, a, it's a time on the calendar for these like pagan Celts where a lot of spiritual activity was happening Mm -hmm. and it relates those who are living with those who are dead Mm -hmm. and to further muddy the waters. It also relates other spiritual creatures who aren't those who are living or dead, but are like, um, fairies. Yeah. Um, we men, they said, or leprechauns, um, goblins, uh, angels and demons like that kind of or like the water and like the tree like the nymphs, like nymphs nymphs and druids. druids something like that yes i think i remember reading that as well so there's there's this cacophony of spiritual beings mm-hmm. that are also active around this time mm-hmm. according to like Samhain traditions yeah and it's, I mean, it's wild. There's a lot. This is a deep dive. If you want to go into it, maybe we can link an article. Yeah. Um, I'm getting most of my information from uh, World History Encyclopedia. Uh, but I verified it with a couple other sources mm-hmm. as well. But essentially, I found some of these traditions like you would put um, a loved one that passed away recently, you would put like a favorite dish of theirs out on your front porch so that if their spirit was passing by, they could come and have their favorite food, have their favorite food before they passed on to the afterlife. When I read this, I was kind of blown away because that's very similar to the day of the dead that the Mexicans celebrate. Yeah. Dia de los muertos. Totally. I wanted to say that, but I got scared. (laughs) Um, and I just like the, the similarity there always kind mm. of blows my mind between far areas in the world, you know? Totally. Um, I also wanted to say about this holiday and many of the other holidays we celebrate is a lot of like the traditions, like the written traditions now are recorded by Christians in like the eighth century. Mm. Uh, so I think that's around the time of like kind of Christmas and Easter as well, which as the church spread, it took pagan holidays and made them Christian mm. to help with evangelism, essentially. Yep. To like to ease the cultural shift from the Celtic pagan ways to the Roman Catholicism mm. that was spreading there. Is that is that an understanding of history? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great way to put it. I think there might be some pushback on that where mm-hmm. people say, no, like Christmas is Christmas. Um, it wasn't picked on the calendar because of the like winter solstice pagan festivals that were happening at Mm -hmm. that time. And I think that argument comes from a place of like, we were here first. Yeah. But I I think historically what you said is totally accurate Mm -hmm. that the Catholic church, when they were throwing together their calendar, 
and were trying to figure out when do we celebrate all of these feasts. Yeah. Um, they thought, how can we, and I, I actually think this can be really beautiful. How can we redeem mm-hmm. what you're already doing in culture with this harvest festival and make it something that is full of the hope of Christ. Yes. Yeah. So instead of this kind of weird pagan holiday where, I mean, I shouldn't say weird, but this pagan mm-hmm. holiday where I'm um, like goblins and fairies can interact with us. And I, I have to dress up in a costume so that like evil spirits don't mm-hmm. attack me because I made them mad somewhere yeah. earlier in the year, which is all like stuff that happened during Samhain. <laughs> Instead of those things, um, how about we celebrate All Saints Day, which is a feast day for all of the other saints that don't have a specific day yeah. commemorating them. Like mm-hmm. like February 14th is St. Valentine's, Saint day. Valentine's day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and St. Patrick has a day, which we obviously know about March. What is it? 13th? 13th? Oh, something like that. I forget. It's <laughs> funny. 15th, 12th? I always just see it on the calendar when it comes around. Mm-hmm. Um, but all these different saints have feast days. And for those who don't have feast days, um, there's just kind of this catch-all Catholic holiday on the calendar called All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, to me, this is kind of a proof of what you said. All Saints Day was originally um, written into the Catholic calendar in the 7th century by Pope Boniface the Fourth. Yep. As mm-hmm. May 13th. And... That was correlated with the end of a feast day where the Romans commemorated the Day of the Dead, essentially. Wow, yeah. So there were Roman holidays commemorating when people that they had loved Mm -hmm. passed away or where their ancestors had passed away. Yeah. And those festivals all culminated right around May 13th. Mm -hmm. And so Pope Boniface put All Saints Day around this holiday that had to do with commemorating the lives of mm-hmm. those who are dead. And also not only is there all saints day, but the day after all saints day is called all souls day in the Catholic church. So on all saints day, you commemorate the saints all souls day. You commemorate any of the believers that aren't necessarily like sainted by the Catholic church, mm-hmm. but people that you love who might've been family members or whatever else. And then in the eighth century, as I assume when Christianity um, was having a harder time evangelizing to people in Ireland Mm -hmm. and the evangelism had already pretty well happened in Rome, they changed All Saints Day Mm -hmm. to be on November 1st, um, which is like directly lined up with Samhain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think you could very easily make that argument that they, they changed the date as it correlated with these different festivals of Mm -hmm. the dead. Yeah. Hmm. And then, and then, so when they made it November 1st, that, um, created all All Hallows Eve, Mm -hmm. which the church said was a night of vigil prayer, fasting and preparation for the next day when the saints were going to be honored. Right. So think about that. Like you're turning the Eve of Samhain into an evening of fasting and prayer mm-hmm. and thanksgiving for the life of the saints. Uh, that's, I like that when we frame it in light of not like cultural, um, 
like colonization. I mm-hmm. think in our tolerance heavy world today, like yeah. that comes across as um, you're manipulating and destroying culture mm-hmm. and that's colonization. Yeah. Um, like I don't want to get too like postmodern American tolerant driven to think that way. Mm-hmm. Instead, I want to think actually Jesus is king. And this is the church saying Jesus is going to be the king over these festivals too. Totally. Yeah. And so they're redeeming these festivals Mm -hmm. rather than telling people they can't celebrate them at all. Yeah. They're going to take them and um, Christianify them. Mm -hmm. And so if you're wondering, that's where the name comes from. Halloween is just a shortened way of saying all hallows eve mm-hmm. because it's the eve of all saints day and another way of saying all saints day is all hallows day because those who are hallowed are those who are holy or set apart or saintly yeah so I, anyway i i'm been sitting here and i don't know if this is a good thought to share or not but i'm like you know thinking back if i'm just a you know two thousand year old celtic man sure and I, <laughs> this is how I'm making sense of the world and the culture I'm grown up in. It's, I'm not creating these holidays as like a direct antithesis or attack on the way of Christ, hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I think where we get into these camps in our modern day is that like Halloween is sometimes the, the anti Jesus movement or the anti Christmas, you know, it's for all the people that like hate Christmas, love Halloween, or it's like good versus bad. And I'm like, there are definitely bad things about the way the modern world celebrates Halloween. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Sure. Um, we'll get into that more, but yeah, but I think just even to think back 2000 years of like just the way I'm making sense of the world and the seasons change and I'm not working as much. I have more time to sit around and, hear weird cracks in the forest or whatever Mm. and the leaves are falling it's like it's a little bit of a weird vibe you know sure so it's like i could see how someone could make make all these this this whole thing up Hmm. um i think maybe that's what i'm getting at and that it's not like inherently just against god but i think the fact that there's this idea that if it's not for god it's against god Sure. But I don't know. It wasn't like, it's yeah. not like, if, I think for some reason when I was growing up, it was like Halloween's like on the attack against Christians, you mm. know, or That's like good. it's the devil's holiday. Mm. And I'm like, oh, the devil made a holiday? Like, why do we let him do that? <laughs> Come on. No, I, I am glad that you frame it that way because I, I think what is happening in you framing it that way is saying these are people who are trying to make sense of their reality, mm-hmm. who are asking questions like, what happens when I die? Oh, when my loved ones die. I just feel like I got that heart for people today too. That like oh, people outside of like the church, outside of finding Christ. It's like people are asking these same questions hmm. millennia later um, and align themselves with things around Halloween to try to make sense of that. It's good. Because uh, they're like compassion. essential yeah. questions to what it means to live. 100%. Aren't they? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I can't help but think that in in similar ways that we see like paganism surrounding um, the biblical story, like in the Egyptian culture or in Babylonian culture or Moabite culture, we see some really gnarly things come out of paganism yes. that we would associate with the powers of darkness. Mm-hmm. 
I think you could say the same things about Samhain and yes, the, yeah. the Celtic religious practices, especially when they start to talk about like, like fairies and druids and goblins coming to like play tricks on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help but wonder believing that we really do live in a spiritual world where mm-hmm. there are spiritual powers of light and darkness. Yes, yeah. I can't help but wonder if there was some spiritual validity to some of the things that they believed. Oh, totally. Don't you think? 100%. Like, like I think it could be easy for the postmodern American to think all of this is just totally made up. Just folklore. Just folklore. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they strip it of all of its spiritual reality. Yeah. When there actually is probably a lot of like spooky. Oh yeah. And I, I wasn't trying to here. throw that out with what yeah. I was saying. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like even, yeah, there is a spiritual reality and that's them trying to make sense of it. Mm. Not having the gospel. It's excellent. So with some, some revelation that there's something bigger out there themselves or something after us, after we die, mm. which most cultures have had those thoughts. Yep. So yeah, but yeah, definitely there's a spiritual reality to all this. I think this is helpful. That's good to say. Uh, there's other little things that we could get into. Like there are hypotheses of where all of these specific details of modern day Halloween have come from. Mm-hmm. All the little traditions. All the little traditions, mm-hmm. yeah. So like one of them is that apparently um, like the the poor after um, Samhain had been converted into All Saints Day and mm-hmm. Halloween, um, which again, Halloween is like a Christian word. Yeah. All Hallows Eve. Um, but just because it's a Christian word doesn't mean that all of its practices are still Christian or well, rooted in Christianity. True. Um, yeah, co-opt by culture. But there was this thing that people would do in the Middle Ages called souling where they would go around door to door if they were poor and they were looking for food and they would knock on people's doors and basically ask them for this thing called a soul cake, which was like a sweet snack Mm -hmm. that was some sustenance for them. And they would ask for that in exchange for prayers. And they would offer, if they were Catholic, they would offer to pray for the person's loved ones who had died and Mm -hmm. were currently in purgatory and the thought was well if they get prayers they will be released from purgatory and go into heaven Mm -hmm. um so i'm almost like exchanging my prayers to help these people's loved ones for some food because i'm poor Mm -hmm. that was souling and that's kind of like maybe the general origin of going door to door asking for things asking for that's what some people point to and there's another thing some people point to we could go into this more but it's it's connected to Guy Fox Day. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember the fifth of November. Yeah. If anybody knows that reference, V for Vendetta. Great movie. Great movie. Trippy movie. Mm-hmm. In 1605, so this has been a long time ago now. Yeah. There was a planned rebellion against the at that time the presently sitting Protestant king, and the rebellion was from this band of Catholics. Um, one of whom was named Guy Fox, And anyway, they had all these bombs and they were going to bomb the king and kill him and mm-hmm. overthrow the government was the idea. Crazy. And their coup got found out and all of them were killed. And they, the 
Protestant British celebrate that day um, essentially by saying that's when God and his providence stopped the plan of the Catholics to overthrow the Protestant king. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of messy, like religious mm-hmm. war um, and like anti-Catholic and anti-Protestant sentiments in here that we could unpack maybe yeah. someday um, that are just really messy. But I'll just say um, the article that we were reading pointed to Guy Fox Day as November 5th. It's a time when um, specifically people in the United Kingdom and its colonies, including the American colonies mm-hmm. and Ireland at that time and Ireland. Yeah. yeah. Um, were, well, at least like Northern Ireland. Yes. Um, were, they were celebrating when God ordained that the Protestants would defeat the Catholics Mm -hmm. and how they did that was they like made fun of this guy named Guy Fox and there was a lot of vandalism Mm -hmm. and, uh, for whatever reason it like bred a vandalism culture around this time of the year, specifically this first week of November. Mm -hmm at the end of October, like that time. And I guess until the mid 20th century or early 20th century, vandalism was also a mark of the Halloween season. Mm -hmm. So just, I mean, that's a long time for people just (laughs) every, you know, end of end of October to the beginning of November would just go around and make mischief and Halloween. Yep. And uh, vandalism. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So you could, you could like cite these spiritual beings 2000 years ago during Samhain as a source of some kind of spiritual vandalism and attack and trickery. You could also look at Guy Fox day and say, um, these like British, um, celebrations that were kind of rebellious in nature were all culminating in culture, especially mm-hmm. in English speaking countries. Yeah. Um, and anyway, eventually they got to, uh, what was it? 1912. Mm-hmm. This is kind of fun. There's a woman in Hiawatha, uh, Kansas. Hiawatha, Kansas. The just this American woman, 1912, named Elizabeth Krebs, and she decided uh, our town is getting too ransacked every year around Halloween because um, I should say like. Guy Fox Day stopped being celebrated in the U.S. at the time of the Revolutionary War. Um, but when they think during the Great Potato Famine in the mid-1800s, when the Irish started coming over to the U.S. in droves, they were still celebrating All Hallows' Eve, mm-hmm. some kind of Halloween on October 31st with some of their muddled like Samhain slash Christian traditions. Yeah. Um And so at this time, there was like vandalism. People were going door to door asking for treats. Um, Like the roots of our modern day holiday were starting to bubble up. But Elizabeth Krebs in Kansas was like sick of the vandalism. And she thought, let's just throw a big costume party in Hiawatha, Kansas Mm -hmm. to try and get all these delinquent kids off the streets, off the streets, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so like the Halloween party was sort of born in its most modern conception. And yeah, so, but this article <laughs> named her like the, the mother of modern Halloween. And yeah. so to where it's not like this, like, I don't know, individual or Christian thing. 
that's like a ritual or mm-hmm. whatever her has all these rituals is just like let's get together and wear costumes which was had its own lineage of different traditions um and you know do different harvesty things and it's not even yeah inherently spiritual it's like a yeah secular holiday totally for elizabeth krebs mm-hmm. at least according to the sources that we read and then this caught on in various places uh apparently there's some article that was written in alberta canada in 1927 that first used the term trick or treat because the people who were going door to door were demanding that either they were going to vandalize someone's property or they were going to get some kind of like candy or treat. That's great. So, I mean, I do that once a week. (laughs) Do you with all your neighbors? Yeah. I'm sure your neighbors love you. Hello. Hello. I have my spray can shaking. (laughs) There's my candy bar. (laughs) Interesting, right? Yeah. That's fun. You had this bit about Luther. I don't remember reading this part. Oh, I skipped over this because this is something that I had heard. It wasn't in that article, mm-hmm. um, the article by World History Encyclopedia. This is something I'd heard in the past that the reformers had their own way of doing Halloween. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially, it was like a day of, well, supposedly, according to this other article that I read, like a day where... Uh, life conquers darkness mm-hmm. where death, which is kind of at the focus in this season yeah. is brought to the forefront so that in our all hallows Eve kind of Christianized conception of it, we remember that death has been conquered, hmm. that the powers of darkness are not actually powerful relative to the God that lives with us yeah. and inside of us. <laughs> so what apparently Martin Luther said is that one of the greatest ways to mess with Satan is to mock him. Uh, This is his quote. The best way to drive out evil, if he will not... um, Yeah, the best way to drive out the devil, excuse me, if he will not yield to texts of scripture, is to jeer and flout him, for he cannot bear scorn. Interesting. Which is basically like... Martin Luther's spiritual attack is to say, just make fun of the devil. Mm -hmm. He can't handle it because he's so proud. Wow. And in that time, the reformers started practicing Halloween by dressing up as little red goblins (laughs) with like tridents and funny horns and a tail as a way to make fun of Satan. That's wild. Which is a way of saying like, Satan, you are powerless. I'm making fun of you in order to drive you out. Wow. Not to celebrate the power of Satan, but Mm -hmm. in, in order to drive it away. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Totally. I just, I like that perspective because on the outset, kids dressed up like the devil could Mm -hmm. look terrible. Totally. You know, you think, wow, how demonic is that? Exactly. How I would never let my kid dress up as the devil. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. But then with this, like Martin Luther slash reformers conception of it, Mm -hmm. I mean, for children to dress up like the devil and laugh. It's like, it's satire. (laughs) It's satire. Yeah. Exactly. Which is like a huge power play. 
I wonder, I don't feel like I agree with that in the modern day. <laughs> you don't have to. I know, I, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure why, because it feels like, I don't know. Mm. I just associate there actually being a, a, I don't know, the devil being more powerful or something. Hmm. I, I, I'm just verbal processing. It's like, it's like, I don't want to mess. I just don't want to think about the devil. Sure. I want to focus on other things. Cause I feel like thinking about it gives him power. Hmm. I'm not sure where I get that theology or not, or if that's a theology at all, but, um, Oh, it's a fair point. So I think that's where I'm just like, I don't know if I like that, you know, like if I give him any screen time in my life, am I letting something of his power have persuasion over me? Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely an argument there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just wanted to point out that some Christians and great thinking Christians have viewed that there is a way that we can think and talk about the devil, even bring the devil to the forefront mm-hmm. that strips him of his power. Yeah. Which I love. Rather than giving him more power. And that is through mockery. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, maybe that's just one of those questions that you listener could come to your own conclusion on. I think I see Martin Luther's point, mm-hmm. but I'm not about to dress my kid up as the devil. True. So <laughs> do you think I is, also don't have a kid is, uh, <laughs> kind of would C.S. Lewis kind of have that same view hmm. of kind of writing like the screw tape letters even as like a, is, sure. it, is it satirical or is it more insightful than, than supposed to be a mockery? That's a fun question. I don't know exactly what he would say if he were here. I would think that there is a bit of mockery going on. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's meant to be entirely that. I think it's also supposed to expose to a very spiritually numb and unaware world mm-hmm. like the British and American cultures at the time he was writing. Um it's meant to expose us to the real powers of darkness and the way that they work Yeah, to get us reflecting on how thoughts that we might be having are not actually our own, but are lies that are coming from the father of lies. Mm-hmm. So I think I, at least in my reading of the screw tape letters, that's what CS Lewis is doing more than mocking the devil. Totally. But there's definitely mockery woven into it. Mm hmm where he's saying like, look at how dysfunctional this whole demonic structure even is. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's so lame. Honestly, it's flimsy. Yeah. It doesn't hold up like relative to God. Mm-hmm. It is so not powerless. And yet it still has bearing mm-hmm. on our own minds yeah. and in this world. So we mm-hmm. are to take it seriously. I, I think he would say something like that, but I don't know. That's what I say in light of reading his book. Mm -hmm. I love Lewis. I wish he were here to talk to us about it. That'd be cool. Hmm. Anyway, that's the reformers bit. Okay. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah. I, I thought that it was maybe worthwhile to point out that like you could look at a modern secular version of Halloween and see it as this thing that's like, oh man, this is just a messy tradition at this point. Yeah. Like we're weaving in pagan rituals. We're weaving in like some Catholic colonization. There's like reformer theology here. There's also just very practical, like Elizabeth Krebs trying to figure out how to get her fence not broken down every year. Totally. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And 
So let's just throw a party and have a good time and dress up like fun characters and eat candy and bob for apples or whatever. Totally. It's like, let's carve out a gourd and put a light in it. And there's a whole story behind that of a dude named Jack. Um, Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. Stingy Jack. Yeah, Stingy Jack is what it looks like. (laughs) Yeah, Stingy Jack, which we don't have time to get into Stingy Jack, but essentially he was... um, not ever allowed to go into hell or into heaven because he was a bad guy, but he made a deal with Satan. So he didn't have to go to hell. And so he's wandering the world with a carved out turnip (laughs) that has a little light in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the Jack O'Lantern. Stingy Jack's lantern is Jack's lantern. Jack O'Lantern is where Mm -hmm. that came from, supposedly. Which again, it's just all this like messy, weird, yeah. secular, spiritual, sort of Christian in some ways, very not Christian in other ways yeah. tradition. It's just messy. Yeah, I think it'd be. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to how to go about this because I think there there is a way to 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 have a holiday that that thinks about death. Hmm. I don't know. That's probably beneficial for us as believers Hmm. Um, because that is a theme through the new Testament, even though Christ has conquered death, like we are called to die to ourselves and I don't know, pick up our own cross, pick our own, pick up our own cross. There's like a lot. I don't like, I think I'm having a hard time landing this Hmm. sentence. Do you have any thoughts on how I should have started that sentence? No, you, (laughs) you're wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I I do compliment you a lot, but you're, it's well-deserving. You're so Um, Well, in Christianity, we have other holidays like commemorating the death of God, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. Good Friday that God died. Like before we rush to Easter Sunday, I think it's worth feeling the gravity of Good Friday. Mm -hmm. God died, Mm -hmm. like came, put on flesh and endured death to its fullest extent. Yeah. And then from the belly of death broke death open so that it would not have power over anyone. So good. If they put their faith in him, mm-hmm. that's the gospel, right? So I think without a recognition of death, the gospel maybe doesn't bear any power. Mm-hmm. True. The wages of sin is death, mm-hmm. but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So I think it's good that we meditate on death. I don't think thinking about death is an inherently evil or dark thing. Mm-hmm. You kind of use the, the di- to differentiate morbid and evil. Hmm. Do you want to talk on that real fast? Yeah. I'm thinking also of Ash Wednesday. Um, I grew up in a Presbyterian church where we celebrated this day called Ash Wednesday at the beginning of Lent, which is a period of fasting to prepare our hearts for Easter, just like Jesus fasted in the mm-hmm. wilderness. And there's this thing that said like ashes are, are drawn on your forehead by a minister in the shape of a cross, which is a Roman death symbol. Mm-hmm. Ashes are. Yeah. And the minister says ashes to ashes, dust to dust as a way of saying from dust you came and to dust you shall return. And if I tell people who are not familiar with that, <laughs> that holiday yeah. about it, typically they sit back and think, whoa, that's dark. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? And I think if we're squeamish around the idea of death, 
a couple things. One, we're just soft in our culture. Mm-hmm. We don't have to deal with death very much. Yeah. More so today, I think we don't have to deal with death in the like modern American culture than any time in human history. Mm-hmm. And if we're afraid of dealing with death, I think maybe there's a there's a potential... I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's a potential that our faith around the resurrection is lacking. Interesting. Because if to death, I, fr- from dust I came and to dust I shall return, if that's spooky to me, then it's because I'm not remembering the full story that once I return to death, Jesus by his blood will draw me back out and I'll live with him forever. So that which looks like morbid death like death has no sting anymore. Yeah, that's good. That oh, death, really good. where is your sting? Oh, oh, hell, where is your victory? Mm-hmm. Like it, it isn't there anymore. Jesus yeah. took it from you. You have no power, death. Totally. You know? And so I don't want to be squeamish around the idea of death. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, this is, this is also morbid, which is okay that something is morbid because it's kind of focused on that death. Is I, I read of a monk once who kept a skull of one of his monk brethren in his monastery. Yeah. Like his friend died and then they let his body decompose and then they took his skull and this guy put his buddy's skull on his desk Mm -hmm. just to sit there and remember my time is limited. Wow. I'm but a breath Mm -hmm. and I worship a God who is eternal and somehow like, that remembrance of his morbidity, mm-hmm. <laughs> his, morbidity. his um, mortality yeah. is something that was helpful to him in his discipleship to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think we lost that. I mean, that's in some Psalms. I didn't prepare them, so I don't have them on the top of my head, but there's a couple Psalms that talk about how we're just but a breath, mm-hmm. you know, like grass. We're here one day and wither yeah. the next. Um. So there's something biblical about that, something holy about that. Mm-hmm. And that has to be held in tandem with the celebration that we have in Christ's resurrection and eternal life. Yeah. That that's not the final say. Mm-hmm. So if we're thinking about people who have passed, just because it's morbid, I don't think that makes it bad. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it inherently evil. For sure. Is that helpful? No, I think that's good. That's a good distinction. Or even the fact that like you see a skeleton mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, nowadays they might have a scary face on them or whatever, but like we all have skeletons inside of us, you know? <laughs> like I, that's praise not... God for the skeleton. It's holding me together. Yes. If I didn't have it, <laughs> I'd just be a puddle down here. <laughs> it's um, an essential aspect of a human body. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, yeah, we see one and it's like, oh, it reminds us of our mortality, but mm. it's not inherently evil. You know, no, totally not. Um, I think where it gets murky and maybe I think I want to read this soon. Oh yeah. Let's, um, but I just think what we just talked about in our kind of the Christian remembrance of death and its importance doesn't really feel that tied to Halloween, especially in its modern configuration. Yes. And even in its ancient kind of, pagan to Christian version kind of takes a lot of theology that I don't necessarily even believe in about Mm. a purgatory or, or whatever. Yeah. Which I mean, there's up for debate, but, um, (laughs) yeah. Um, so I think that's where it's like, that's where I'm still like, what do we do with Halloween? 
I have quite haven't hand, quite haven't landed on that. And I think what might give us some insight, possibly, maybe not, might just confuse the waters, the murky waters podcast. The, <laughs> um, is I feel like there's there might be some truth in how we um, interact with scary movies hmm. or fantasyful movies or content in general that the world produces. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, yeah, there's wisdom in how we should interact with all those things. And that might guide us with Halloween. What do you think? Should we get into that? Let's get into that. Okay. I'm going to open this section with a liturgy from this every moment. Holy, uh, liturgy book by Douglas Kane McKelvey. Mm. It's God genuinely beautiful. This, I've read from it before. And I'm just going to read a couple selections out of this, a liturgy before consuming media. Cause I feel like it is really good with all this. Okay. You ready? I'm Buckled ready. Up. Here we go. Oh, discerning spirit who alone judges all things rightly now be present in my mind and active in my imagination as I prepare to engage with the claims and questions of diverse cultures incarnated in the stories that people tell. Let me experience mediums of art and expression, neither as a passive consumer nor as an entertainment glutton, but rather as one who through such works would more fully and compassionately enter this ongoing human conversation of mystery and meaning, wonder and beauty, good and evil, sorrow and joy, fear and love. Guard my mind against the old enticement to believe a lie simply because it's beautifully told. Hmm. Let me be not care. Let me not be careless. Give me right conviction to judge my own motives in which I approve. Teach me in, to be always mindful of that which I consume and thoughtful of the ways in which I consume it. Impart to me keener knowledge of the limits of my own heart in light of my particular brokenness that I might choose what would be for my flourishing and not for my harm. Okay. Last section and give me the grace to understand that and give me the grace to understand that what causes me to stumble might bear no ill consequence for another of your children. So that while I am to care for my brothers and sisters, I must also allow them in matters of matters of conscience the freedom to sometimes choose a thing. Your spirit convicts me to refrain from. Even so, let my own freedoms in Christ never be flaunted or exercised in such a way as to give cause for confusion, temptation, or stumbling in others. Hmm. Wow. I, I really, man, actually this is more relevant than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Um, yeah. Even just, I think we kind of, we set this up with these questions that all humans have. Um, claims from diverse cultures mm. um, incarnated that in stories that people tell. And then mm-hmm. I love the idea of being a active consumer of these things um, that we like. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just that we we're like not, no, we're not just celebrating Halloween because our culture celebrates Halloween that we like have some reason to engage with it. And we're purposeful in the things that we do. I think that's what I say. And then also the last little bit, I love, there's a bit of a subjectivity to these things. 
um, mm-hmm. which I think is important because the things that make one person stumble might not make another person stumble. And there are obvious black and white things that we are supposed to s- stay away from in the New Testament. But stuff like this does feel gray. And I believe it is up for interpretation. You said a lot of really good things just then. <laughs> is that me complimenting you again? No. <laughs> I, uh, wow, that was all really helpful. Where do I want to jump in? I'm seeing the common thread in a lot of our conversations, especially with the power of the tongue series mm-hmm. that we've been in. Uh, being, what is the world doing? What is Jesus calling us to do? And how can we be in the world, but not of the world? Mm-hmm. How can we be set apart as a light on a hill, as salt to the earth, as it relates to Halloween? Yeah. As it relates to curse words or whatever mm-hmm. our conversation is for the day. And that was an excellent segue into that way of thinking because now I'm over here saying, I don't want to just get swept up into Halloween traditions of our culture because that's what my culture is doing. Yeah. And I don't want to discredit my culture entirely throwing like fun cultural babies out with the bathwater in the name of (laughs) like religious rituals and my, my Christian set apartness. Totally. Though at the end of the day, that might be what I have to do Mm -hmm. if nothing from culture can be like redeemed for the name of Christ. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think like you said, like the spirit of the Christian church back 2000 years ago was actually a beautiful one of trying to redeem something of the world to make it for Christ. Um, and so I, yeah, I like the, the thought, um, project of what's the thought experiment of saying, how do I make, how can I like make Halloween more salty as a believer, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just saying like, how do I get rid of Halloween completely or, you know, whatever, like, what can I, is there anything in there that's like actually something that's, I'd want to teach my family about and would bring us in community in a better way. You know, like what if, I mean, I say this as someone who's lost a parent, Mm -hmm. my biological dad passed away when I was a kid. I've lost other people that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, what if on, you know, traditionally what the church has called all Hallows day or Mm -hmm. all souls day, November 2nd, one of those days, what if I sat down with my family and we pulled out pictures of people that we love who've passed and we thanked the Lord for Christ's victory over death. Mm -hmm. And we looked forward to the end of our lives also with gratitude, recognizing that I'm already dead with Christ. Therefore I'm already resurrected with Christ. Mm -hmm into life everlasting. Yeah. Like what if the story of the gospel was what I was celebrating in this time? Totally. I think there's an invitation there rather than throwing everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if, if our stance to Halloween is to throw it all away, um, then we should at least introduce something else rather than, um, Rather than avoiding flavorlessness, we need to yeah. embody the saltiness. Exactly. You know what and, I mean? And it gets rid of just a critical spirit where you're just viewing culture critically mm-hmm. and it allows you to bring something new and create something, which is what we are meant to do as it's humans great. on earth. Um, I, uh, I mean, 
Do you want to talk about, do you want to talk about content in movies? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, It feels good. This, honestly, this whole conversation about tongues, like the power of the tongue, Halloween was all kind of brought up with a question from a uh, listener of, um, should Christians watch horror movies? (laughs) Right. And I mean, this is the season for horror movies. You go into any streaming service and they have their like horror movies up at the top. Which um, is scary. They're going to be showing you a ton of ads for them. I wish that there was like I a know. way to just turn that off. Totally. Uh-huh. Um, I looked up why are horror movies so popular? Like, mm. why do we like to watch them? Wow. What'd you find? Um, I should have left. It's on my other desktop. Sure. Um, but a lot of it was about uh, this kind of idea of controlled fear is actually is like there's an adrenaline rush. There's all these endorphins that are released. Um, and really for a horror movie to work, you do actually have to feel safe and protected and able to disassociate what's happening on the screen. Mm. And which was interesting. I was like, those are all can be really good things. Um, disassociation can be murky as well, but, um, but to, you know, find safety and protection. So it's like, there's, it's just a very carnal thing. Sure. I would say like anything. Um, and for me, I don't watch horror movies. Sure. Cause I, they'd also talked about, I first I was like, I am like the perfect candidate for a horror movie, like to like horror movies, hmm. people that like novel experiences and thrill and that kind of stuff. Like I love all those things. But then it talked about people that are super high in empathy um, don't do well with horror movies. People with lower empathy really like horror movies. Oh, interesting. Which also I feel like we're, Jesus was a pretty empathetic person and we're supposed to be becoming more like him. So maybe <laughs> yeah. the, maybe the more we become like Jesus, the less we like horror movies too. Is the I thought there that the people on the screen are experiencing torment and so empathetically, like my heart yeah. is pulled into that mm-hmm. torment with them? Yeah, you're not as easily able to disassociate what's happening on the screen. Mm. Which is kind of beautiful. Yeah, it is actually really cool. I'd rather not be able to super clearly disassociate because that means, yeah, my empathy is flexing. Wow. Yeah. Um, huh. I think, well, like, like in this prayer, mm-hmm. you know, if a horror movie, I would say there's a line, there's a line in Halloween decor that I wouldn't cross because there are still modern day, like Wiccans and dark spirituality that uses symbols and different things that I wouldn't want hanging on my house, you know, mm-hmm. um, where like a jack-o'-lantern hasn't been used for that kind of thing. And so, we do jack-o'-lanterns. They're cute. Sure. You know, it's a fun family activity, which I think is a good core thing about a holiday. Hmm. Um, yeah, family I mean, activity. Yeah, family activity. Mm-hmm. It pulls people together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, and and so then also with horror movies, like when they get into really spiritual, I would say like anything. Like I, I guess I don't know a horror movie that I would ever watch because they're all really macabre and dark and gory and mm-hmm. all those things. And mm-hmm. I'm like, like the scripture, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is beautiful. So yes, I, I, I'm having a hard time trying to say if it's a subjective thing or not. Mm-hmm. Can you help me figure that out? Or do you feel like, do you, I don't, I don't want to just tell someone you can't watch a horror movie. I want the Lord to convict you if, if there is needed conviction. It's good. Um, but for me, I, 
I just know my mind would wander into dark places and I would have nightmares. It's good. And why would I want to do that? You know? Yep. I have enough annoying dreams as they are now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to be aware of our flesh. Mm-hmm. Where is something affecting me in a way that disqualifies that thing from meeting the Philippians four, eight test. Mm-hmm. This is not pure. This is not lovely. This is not honorable. This is not true. Good. You know, excellent praiseworthy, whatever yeah. that whole list is. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if for me that test is broken because I feel my flesh swell in a bad way, um, I need to be really aware of my own self mm-hmm. um, and what is what is like spiritually healthy for me to be engaging with. Mm-hmm. And just personally, I would, if you have questions, I'd always err on the conservative side of that line. Yeah. Because I'd so much rather miss out on a cool movie um, that might have been too close to the line, but probably wasn't. I'd so much rather that than get too close to the line and then fill my mind with something that's actually going to, in some way, attack my well-being and peace. 100%. Because the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, gentleness, Mm -hmm. kindness, love, first and foremost. And so... Like if, if I were to engage with content that fills me with like a shaking fear yeah, um, for the sake of the adrenaline rush, I can't help but assume that that's a fleshly desire that is not good for my, my cup to be mm-hmm. full. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm also thinking about um, neuroplasticity mm-hmm. that like brain science is yeah. demonstrating that what we give our attention to actually shapes our brain, mm-hmm. like the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we live. In other words, we are what we give our attention to. We mm-hmm. become that which we pay attention to. Yeah. And so to listen to really crude music or to watch really tough television where yeah. people are super gossipy or there's a lot of sexual immorality even if you say, oh, well, I'm not engaging with those kinds of mm-hmm. lifestyles. I'm just watching it on the TV. Um, there's only a certain amount of that that you can really do without mm-hmm. just acknowledging, hey, like watching it is a going to affect you. Yeah, You don't exist in isolation from the thing you're consuming. Mm-hmm. That's why we use the word consuming. Wow, yeah. Like it's becoming a part of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so <laughs> this is cute. My mom, when I was growing up, would always say, I don't want that movie in your bread basket. Hmm. And the bread basket became sort of a metaphor for the what I was eating in my attention. Mm-hmm. So if, if something's in my bread basket, I'm going to eat it and it, I am going to become what I eat. Mm-hmm. And if something like moldy yeah. has gotten into my bread basket, I don't want to eat it. <laughs> you know, totally. if something damaging to my well-being is on the screen, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch it. Totally. It's not going to help me become more like Christ. And that's my end, you know? That's so good. So I think there is subjectivity here. Like we can't just draw a firm line and say all Christians need to stay on this side of this black and white line. Yeah. Um, there's a way more nuance than that mm-hmm. because we're individuals 
And I just want to say declaring that there's subjectivity here leaves a lot of room for people to start to justify consuming content that is not okay for them. And so I would rather err on the side of conservative Mm -hmm. than like hold even like a reverence and a fear for the influenceability that we exist with. Totally. And what the content we consume will do to Mm -hmm. us. We're not as powerful to it as we think we are. I think there's something vulnerable in, even if it's like, I've heard this movie isn't that scary. You click play you are no longer in control what you're looking at, hmm. you know? Right. It's up to the director. And I mean, you better really trust this person hmm. to not show you something that's going to mess you up. Uh, so, I mean, that's just kind of a warning to like, like you said, don't even maybe flirt with the line. Yeah. And I think a lot of this, um, these conversations are absolutely best had in community because you're going to, you're going to find a, a median, a healthy median, I think. Um, and you'll be able to kind of see maybe some outlier thoughts that are like, Oh, you know, maybe my one friend loves horror movies kind of is getting me into it. But actually once I brought it to the rest of my house church or whatever, no one else is on top board. I'm like, Oh, without a community perspective, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, I had, I have an example of just something that we watch that please, I don't know. I found it interesting because we, we sometimes delineate things by like the TV ratings or the movie ratings. Sure. You know, it's like I wasn't able to watch anything PG-13 until I was 13 and then it had to be approved and my parents are pretty strict to that. But uh, in 2006, Disney came out with a movie, princess movie, mm-hmm. rated G. You know, it's like if you're like, especially parents that don't pre-watch stuff for their kids. Um this is just something to also engage with the media that your kids watch mm. is another yeah. thing to say, <laughs> but, point. uh, princess and the frog, very critically acclaimed, very popular movie. Sure. Um, it's got great music. It's got all the tropes of a really good Disney movie. Uh, but I watched it one time and I was like, Whoa, this is like really dark. Like I was shocked that it was rated G because the, the evil in it and also the source of magic in it is like this new Orleans tarot card reading voodoo Whoa. man. Whoa. And it's like, there's voodoo dolls and blood. And like, it's like, how is this rated G? It just felt like this really like slid in thing that I'm like, yes, he gets conquered at the end, but not, I don't know. It's a really messy movie. Mm. And so I would just encourage you. And this is my opinion. Um, but I just felt like there was something on this that it's unfortunate that, you know, our culture says this is G and this is completely fine. Wow. This is safe for all ages. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I would say, I would say there's an unfortunate labeling of those things of like even Halloween decor. You know, I've seen parents at Costco or the store where all the Halloween decorations are out and a lot of them are like gory or scary and they're like shielding their eyes. I'm like, why are we just allowing this in our public space? You wow. Know? Sorry, I'm not trying to make this a soapbox thing. But it was just <laughs> it was just an interesting thing because it's like it really is, you think, on the far side of what is good. 
Mm-hmm. It's even got a G in the rating for good. Not just kidding. Uh, yeah. What mm-hmm. does the G stand for? Do you know? General audiences. Oh, general admission, yeah, general admission, something. Sure. Um, and it is, I also think it's unfortunate if Disney's listening to this, I know they probably are. They're committing <laughs> a lot of like their parks to this movie and this princess because she was oh. Disney's first black princess and there's a lot of great representation in that. But yeah, the evil is, I think, pretty evil. More wow. more than, I don't feel convicted if I watch um, Snow White, you know, or I don't, sure. feel, I don't feel convicted if I try to think of other... I mean, like the little like, mermaid, you know, it's wh- like there's, there Sir, is evil Ursula. and magic, but it's like so fantasiful that for me, it doesn't carry the same weight mm-hmm. as, well, this is actually pulling from pretty real witch and Wiccan stuff, you know? Wow. So I think for me, that's where I draw the line in my content. Like even if I was watching like that show psych, mm-hmm. you know, it's like he's pretending to, pretending to be a psychic, but he never goes like it's really goofy and light, you know? And so it's like, just because that word was in word was in it doesn't mean it's like just immediate out immediately Mm. out for me. I don't know. That's my little rant on princess and the frog. I haven't watched it before, Mm. so I don't know what you're talking about, but I bet a bunch of listeners do. And I I hope that if anyone has a different opinion on that movie, that they would send it into us because I'm curious, but even just in hearing you talk about it, I mean, when tarot cards and voodoo starts to come up, um, I guess I know it even in my own journey that my spirit has never discerned those things as being even remotely okay. Mm-hmm. Because the spiritual power of darkness that lays behind them is um, is so dark mm-hmm. that it's like not all right to ever touch. Totally. So it totally makes sense to me that you would draw a line there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think it's fair. Like, I'm... I'm thinking about how many of the Disney movies really have something very magical about them. Yes. Yeah. Even like Pinocchio turning mm-hmm. into a boy or becoming, you know, the animated puppet that he is totally. or Cinderella with the fairy godmother. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just interesting on reflection, like all of the magic. I mean, Peter Pan and yeah. Tinkerbell mm-hmm. and like fairies historically in have been a, like a figure in a pagan context. Yeah. So what do we do with Pixie Hollow? Um, Well, maybe that's just a question of spiritual discernment. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can tell, like there's nothing inherently evil or spiritually dark laying behind the character Tinkerbell. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone has a different opinion. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear that opinion because I think that's Mm -hmm. how we get better. Like you said, we should discern these things in community. And I think more just on this content topic, more than even just like this spiritual aspect, I mean, more and more, unfortunately, um, all the major studios and animation things are including stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's just different cultural new norms and stuff. And so I think that's all something that, I would, you know, even maybe before you watch it with your kids, like read up on it, check on it. There's been a few mm-hmm. new Disney movies that have, um, you know, I don't know how, can I say this? They have like queer characters on there. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Should I don't I re- see why not. Should I re-say that or is no, that fine? No, no, I okay. think we're fine. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, how to navigate all that, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that makes it complicated. It makes it yeah. a good story more 
murky in my in my eyes when um yeah i don't know and that's a that's a good conversation for another day mm-hmm. too is like how do we engage with content that isn't necessarily like like dark in terms of yeah. magic and witchcraft and evil powers but it's like potentially inherently sinful yeah um what do you think about the movie hercules from disney oh personally i've never had a problem with it i love that movie okay and when i went to a christian university Mm -hmm. i had so many of my homeschooled christian friends look at me like i was a pagan for loving that movie Mm -hmm. i was like are you kidding me have you heard the soundtrack the music's amazing (laughs) um and i think for me like there's something about story Mm -hmm. and myth that a kid and a human adult can enjoy and get get meaning and value from that's good yeah um without perpetuating any sense of like this is ultimate reality totally this character hercules is a fun character Mm -hmm. i don't believe that demigods exist in this way like zeus is not a god he's Mm -hmm. not my god i worship christ Mm -hmm. i worship yahweh you know and i i'm i've never been bothered by reading percy jackson and the olympians for example good series i love that series or even hot take oh my gosh here it is harry potter boom because to me there is there's something that um fantasy and Mm make-believe can do for us at its most sanctified version that I can think of, like the Chronicles of Narnia, mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis's work in the Space Trilogy, or jo- Tolkien's work. Yes, yeah. Any of Tolkien's work, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And there's orcs, there's these, there's odd creatures, yeah. you know, there's dwarves, elves. Mm-hmm. Um, wizards. And it's wizards. Mm-hmm. There's wizards. There's even like a resurrection moment of a wizard. Yeah. And... There's a witch in Lewis's stuff. Totally. Yeah. A couple witches. Yeah. And I think those then are like cultural figures mm-hmm. that can be utilized in order to portray like a really meaningful message. Yeah. And we shouldn't demonize those stories just because they use things that have been associated with unsanctified things. Mm-hmm. Because if, if the abuse of something um, discredits the proper use of that same thing, then nothing is fair game anymore because mm. everything's been abused and manipulated by can the you powers s- of can darkness. Can you say that again? Yeah, that was a little heady. No, I liked it, but I um, need some clarity. Yeah, yeah. So if, if witches mm-hmm. have been used in a story for evil to perpetuate like powers of darkness, yeah, just because they've been used for evil doesn't mean they can't be used to portray good oh, yeah. messages. Mm-hmm. Um, and notice that the witches in C.S. Lewis's work are also, they're, they're not good witches, they're evil yeah. witches. And so they're embodying like the powers of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because a witch is in C.S. Lewis doesn't mean, oh, the Chronicles of Narnia are evil. Totally. So yeah. like, like a certain use of something can't be projected onto every other use of that same thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So like if your least favorite political person 
is wearing Carhartt. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it would be a bummer for you to never wear Carhartt again totally. if it was your favorite brand before that. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a silly idea, but you know, like uh, I don't want something to be ruined by association with one thing. Okay. When it can be well used in other ways. Sorry, the political no, Carhartt really thing was a bad. Analogy. No, that wasn't that bad. It was good. Um, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't your best. No, it was yeah, bad to not compliment you completely. You can um, you can tell me it was bad. <laughs> uh, okay, with that frame of mind, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts or your personal thoughts, if you don't mind, on Halloween? Yeah, and and its traditions. To be candid, I was raised in a household where at least it felt to me like anything was fair game. Mm -hmm. Um, with the exception of like scary movies, my I think I also held to the whole like PG thirteen until mm -hmm. it was like I couldn't watch those until I was thirteen yeah. for the most part. Um, but th most things felt like they were fair game. Scare costumes, scary costumes, whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh -huh. like like a witch. Yeah, totally, totally. Alien. Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about all my costumes, but I was, I was Darth Vader. Yeah, which is Death Father okay. in German. Death Father. So, I was Santa Claus. I love that. I dressed up as Santa for Halloween multiple times, which if you know me, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's so good. And uh, I think there are some people who would say like Santa Claus is a pagan symbol mm -hmm. who is trying to detract our attention from the birth of Jesus and point it towards consumption and possessions mm -hmm. and magic, <laughs> you know, Yeah, totally. which you could do that with Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I mm -hmm. think Santa Claus is another one of those examples of like a fun story. Mm -hmm. Um, though th like as a parent, actually my wife and I need to talk about this more. Yeah. I'm not gonna, can I go here? Yeah. I'm not going to perpetuate like, if my kid asks, is Santa Claus real? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be really upfront there. Same. You know? And we can still have fun with the idea of Santa Claus. Yeah. It can, even even once they know it's not real. Yeah. It's like, it's still a fun tradition. I, that's what I think so. I don't mm -hmm. think there's any damage that's done there. In the same way that there's no damage done with um, a lot of traditions in our <laughs> lives. Mm. True. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, as far as Halloween goes, I think... I think there's a cool way that we could creatively think about engaging with it mm -hmm. that captures parts of the Halloween tradition that are just fine. Yeah. Like there's a family that are Christian that I love. They live on Harrison Boulevard, which turns up for Halloween. Yeah. And they don't just turn their lights off and disengage. Mm -hmm. Instead, this year they bought like a hundred different gourds. And littered their front yard with pumpkins and gourds and all these fun looking fall yeah. objects. And it just looks like harvest time yeah. there. And it's so festive mm -hmm. and it's not at all scary. Scary. Yeah, it's not. When he says it turns up, it gets scary there too. Oh yeah. Like, and yeah, scary things are on Harrison Boulevard for sure. For sure. And also like sacrilegious things. Mm -hmm. There's um, one thing I'll just, I'll say it. There's a table in front of one of the houses on Harrison Boulevard. Like it's clever, um, but it's the last supper, except they're all skeletons. Oh yeah. Which being someone who worships Christ, I worship a living God mm -hmm. who rose from the dead and to portray Jesus as a skeleton is like inherently problematic. Yeah, totally. 
And my guess is that that person does not worship Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to make a funny joke. Yeah. Um, and to me that like funny joke isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to like go knocking on that person's door and tell them they have to take it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's lines that are crossed in different ways, mm-hmm. but I even think like hanging a skeleton might not be a bad idea. Cause mm-hmm. again, we have skeletons inside of ourselves. Yeah. Um, that's looking to the morbid rather than to the dark, mm-hmm. spiritually scary. If that skeleton has a scary face on it, you know how they kind of contort the bones to make yeah. it look scary. I would say like that, that probably, you know, is not, maybe but that's like, crossed a line, but like, yeah, the heart, it's funny of the, you know, the word bonfire comes from the the Celtic tradition of burning bones of yeah. like animals that they've like harvested and bone fire, which is like just an interesting <laughs> origin of that word that I never would have thought of. I had no idea until mm-hmm. I read that article. Kind of fan- fascinating. So fascinating. Huh? Yeah. So I think like if, and when I have kids, they'll, probably dress up. I mean, I dress up for Halloween. Mm-hmm. The past two years I was a chicken and my wife was a farmer. <laughs> um, and you know, we just have fun with it. Totally. There's nothing that feels dark about putting on a chicken onesie. Mm-hmm. It's silly. Totally. And I like, I like it's playful mm-hmm. and we get together with friends and eat fun things and drink apple cider that was heated up on the stove and it's delicious. Yeah. You know, for me, I would say there's nothing wrong with that celebration. Yeah. Praise God. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Yeah. And I think what I would like to do and, and call me zealous, but I think what I'd like <laughs> to do is figure out how to weave some cool, like redemptive Christian things mm-hmm. into that more than just getting together and celebrating a secular yes. holiday. Yeah. I think it would be cool to commemorate um, like the lives of the people that we've lost mm-hmm. a little Dia de los Muertos stuff. Yeah. And praise Jesus for his overcoming of death. I thought at at the very end of the article we read, I thought this quote was really fascinating. It said, at its most basic level, Halloween is or can be Mm -hmm. key there or can be (laughs) a triumph of hope over fear, which is most likely what it also meant to the ancient Celts at Samhain thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. a triumph of hope over fear, Yeah, which is fascinating because I think the worst of Halloween is just fear. Mm-hmm. There's no triumph over fear. Yeah. It's like the, the haunted world and the going to the scary mm-hmm. amusement parks and watching the horror movies. It's just all fear. But if I can somehow inject that narrative that mm-hmm. in Christ, I celebrate that all fear and death has been triumphed over by all of us in Christ who ascribe to him, Mm -hmm. then that sounds like it could be a really fun holiday. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And it's, it's preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. If there's a way that I can preach the gospel during Halloween, like why would I just turn off my lights and miss that opportunity? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the question I'm asking myself just because of this podcast, honestly. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, instead of the critical spirit just getting rid of it completely, like even adding a ritual on November 1st of, you know, remembering the cloud of witnesses and the apostles that yes. came before us. And it's like just adding those rhythms that make it actually that much more richer and a complete picture of the mm-hmm. gospel, um, which would be it's like full redemption 
if it's just a partial partial view That's now. Fun. Like what if we went around the table and asked each other what our favorite saint story was? Yeah. And we like did a little church history. That'd be cool. Is that so nerdy? Yes. The answer <laughs> is yes. That is yes. so nerdy. But I think that would be amazing. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk about Fra- St. Francis. And then the next person talks about Augustine and then mm-hmm. so on. Sharing stories of the saints of the faith that went before. So good. Like, what that's a cool way really to cool. celebrate Halloween. And that, I think that's the, the, the thread of this series is that's saltiness mm-hmm. in the midst of culture. Yeah, being light mm-hmm. to the dark. That's light. That's hope in the midst of fear. Mm-hmm. That's hope conquering fear. That's the salt right there. That's the light. Uh, and I want to figure out a way to embody that. So I'm glad that we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely curious to hear feedback from people who've listened to this podcast. If they have a strong stance on Halloween, what that is and why. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, if you write that in, I w- we'd love to talk about that even on here just to like mm-hmm. discuss it and bring it up. I yes. think that'd be cool. So please write in if, if you do have different, <clears throat> sorry, there's a bubble in my throat, mm. different, differentiate, differentiating views. <laughs> <laughs> do you know anything about trunk or treating? I do know about trunk what or is treating. Th- what is that? I honestly don't even know. Um, it's like something that kids do at a church when they can't celebrate Halloween on the streets. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's Halloween, but for Christians and homeschoolers, I would say. And like, parking lots. With yeah. Cars. I would say it's no different than Halloween. Just the fact that they're completely separated from the world. And so in a really controlled environment, sure. which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. It's, yeah. Especially if you lived in like a sketchy area or like all the houses look scary. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'd let my little, you know, pirate go walk up to like a Aww. haunted house. Sweet little pirate. I know. <laughs> I love that. I've <laughs> definitely been a pirate for Halloween mm-hmm. before. I love that. Which is funny because pirates are actually like pretty dark and scary. Pretty terrible characters. people. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> uh, but I like that. I think that's mm-hmm. cool. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to a trunk or treat either or a harvest festival or anything. Like, hmm. I mean, our church always had a big harvest festival growing up. I like that. Harvest. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Celebrate the harvest. That God is the one who gives us the crops that sustain our life. Yeah. Praise, praise the Lord. Having that in our holiday rhythms is really good. Wow. I, uh, oh shoot. I had a thought and then I just lost it. Oh, well. Oh, you know, this is what my thought. One thing that we didn't talk about at all that could just be kind of a funny little side project. If someone wants to go off and think about this themselves is we haven't talked about the consumerism Mm -hmm. of Halloween yeah, and how consumerism might affect the planet. Um, our economy maybe is just injecting money into this holiday mm-hmm. in order to get us to spend more money. Yeah, totally. So there's definitely like economic incentive <laughs> to drive Halloween, you know, mm-hmm. to buy the decorations. Oh yeah. To buy the candy. Mm-hmm. And um, not only is there some manipulation there and from a marketing standpoint, but we're also like very sugar addicted Yes. in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so maybe eating candy is something that we should talk about. Totally. You know, like just as much as, is it okay to put up scary decorations in front of your house? Like, is it okay to eat 
like five 40. gallons of candy <laughs> yeah. at the end of Halloween. Totally. I for sure did that every year as a kid and mm-hmm. still kind of do. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, like even the disposable costumes that we buy, you know, so much trash. Like, is there like a third way of like making up a costume with the stuff you have around your house? that's going to be better for you, your mm-hmm. pocketbook and the environment. Yeah. I, I think that is a whole conversation we could have had that I just wanted to bookmark. Oh Yeah. Um, because we should be thinking critically about those things as well. Oh, that's so holistic. I love that. And like, how how is my privilege protecting me from seeing how the the less privile- privileged people in our world interact with Halloween? Yeah. Like maybe they they don't have the ability to get candy because they hardly have food. Mm-hmm. So maybe I could treat it more like a Thanksgiving, and I could like meet the hunger needs of the people in my community. I I don't know. I mean, no, there's so much to that. There's so many directions you could go with this saltiness. And I would just challenge you listener to ask yourself, how am I going to be the salt of the earth this Halloween? Come on. And how can I make that, um, just an aspect of what it means to be a Christian in my everyday life, whether it's October 31st or not Mm -hmm. April 15th. It's my favorite date. Ideal date. Is that it? Ideal date? date. I don't know. I don't have an ideal date. No, that's a, it's a quote from, is it Miss Congeniality? Oh. Danica probably knows. That's a great movie. What's your favorite? Like, what's your ideal date is the question. Oh, And I think she says like. Yes, 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 yes. That's so funny. April 15th. You're right. Not too cool, not too hot. Yes. I totally remember that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's a great quote. Anyway, that was left field. Sorry. Well, what do you think? Mischief managed? Uh, Mischief managed. I think so. Awesome. So um, go out there and be salty, my friends. Have a happy Halloween. Have a blessed All Hallows Eve. There you go. And a blessed All Hallows Day. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Catholic, you're hyped right now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're talking about the Catholic calendar. <laughs> yeah, if you're... If you're Puritan, you probably turned this podcast off a long time ago. <laughs> you sitting with your Guy Fox mask on. That's right. <laughs> Which is so ironic that they didn't celebrate Halloween or Christmas or Easter, but they did celebrate Guy Fox Day. Yeah, like the assassination day. Yeah, like, can we just talk about that? The gun no, powder, we gun pot, gun powder plot. But in the in the end, we're really all more hypocritical than we realize. <laughs> Lord, sanctify us. Yes. <laughs> All to say, we love you guys. Yeah, happy Halloween, I suppose. Bless you. Um, And may you find Christ this Halloween in a way that you never have before. I like that. That's good. Mm -hmm. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So fast. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Deep Waters podcast. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, maybe even a recipe or two, please send them to deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. And if you would like to join us at Riverhouse for Sunday service, we meet at the Vineyard Boise at 4 p.m. We'd love to see you there. We cannot do this podcast without a little help from our friends. Our theme music was written and recorded by the Riverhouse worship team. Production is done by Jordan Sodeman. Special thanks to Isaiah Guerrero for our artwork. Benjamin Olson writes and co-hosts with me, Jace Langley, and I also edit this bad boy. If you like this podcast and want to keep going on this journey of discipleship with us, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the Deep Waters podcast. May Christ be with you wherever you go.